Blessed Life, and we're, we're doing a message today called, Am I Generous? And it is a question, and it is in first person uh, for the reason of, am I, so me personally, and you can ask the question to yourself, am I generous? How many of you would say you want to be generous? All of us do. I think, I think every person uh, is created with that because God created us all, and God is generous. He is generous in every way. He's given us more than we could ever think with Jesus, salvation, grace, forgiveness, uh, Everything that we have is because of God's goodness to us. So it's amazing how much, how generous God is. Um, you could turn in your Bibles to John chapter 12. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, again, we've been encouraged you, bring a hard copy, all right? I love the digital. I love the phones. You can use those too, but bring a hard copy. There's just something about the written word of God in your hands, and it's real important. Uh, so John chapter 12, uh, and turn to uh, Mark chapter 14. Uh, chapter 14 of Mark. So if you could turn there as well. Uh, I just want to make sure I got this right because last I'm a little dyslexic sometimes, so I messed up my numbers last time. There we go. Uh, so Mark chapter 14. Am I generous? I, I believe every person in their heart wants to be generous, uh, but it's something that we have to learn and something God has to show us how we can be generous. Uh, and I'm not just talking about finances, although that's a piece of us, but our talents, our gifts, our time, our energy, uh, all of that is important to God. And so uh, that's kind of what I want to share about is what does God's word say about this? I'm going to share a message uh, um, out of John 12. So they read the scripture here during worship, which is, uh, which is great. So you kind of understand the context of it. But uh, the other day, about a couple months ago, we were at a, uh, I live in Hookstown. So anybody know where Hookstown is? Two of you. Great. Thank you. Uh, so in Hookstown, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We live in Hookstown and we have, uh, we have a great diner there called Jack's. And it's, it's, it's the most amazing diner. It is the only diner in Hookstown, all right? So it is the best and it is the worst because it's the only one. So um, no, it's a great spot. But uh, when you live in Hookstown, it's great because the community there, it's a small community. Most, you know, you, you know a lot of people there. So when we, we went to have dinner there at Jack's, Jen, myself, and the kids. And uh, so we were sitting, if you don't know, we have four kids. So we take a, a good sized table when we go somewhere. And so we were sitting uh, kind of in the back of Jack's and, and somebody comes in and sits down and he's sitting kind of diagonal from me. So if I'm sitting here, he's kind of sitting over there and his back's to me. Um, and so I, we were just, uh, you know, having a good family time and I really felt the Lord wanted to pay for his meal, but I hadn't talked to Jen about it yet. I just, you know, he put it in my heart to take care of his meal and I hadn't said anything. Well, we're sitting there and, um, and Micah, uh, Micah wave, AKA the mooks. And so Micah was, uh, he came up to Jen and said, you know, I think we should pay for his meal. And Jen encouraged him and said, well, we're proud of you. That's, that's awesome. And then I, you know, I said, Micah, come here. The Lord told me the same thing. And, and I was you know, just encouraging him because uh, that's a question we all have is can we hear God? And so I just wanted to encourage him and Jen did too that, look, you heard the Lord. And we want, yes, we're going to bless this guy. We're going to take care of his dinner. Uh, so we did that. Now the next question, next time if you've ever done this before is how do you do that, right? So at Jack's, you know, usually when you go to a restaurant, you can pay right there, pay the waitress. But at Jack's, you get to go up to the front register and pay, which is awesome. It's kind of old school. So we, I went up to pay and I told the waitress, which the same waitress that served me served him. And I said, well, can you give me that gentleman's bill? We just want to take care of it. And she said, oh, well, that's really nice. And I said, yeah, just, if you just put it together and I'll, I'll just pay him at one time. So she did that. And I said, now, I don't want you to tell him that we paid for his meal. You can tell him somebody paid for it, but please don't tell him that it was me. Uh, I'll just want to write on his bill and tell him that God loves him. And uh, so we're sitting there. So, so I did that. I, I paid for it. Then we went sat back down and they brought our desserts out. And so we were just finishing up our desserts and, and he was finishing up. Uh, and so she, he asked her for the bill and she said, you know, uh, it's already been taken care of, but he demanded that she told, would tell him who paid. And, and here's what she, I, now I told her, don't tell him. And here's what she does. points right at us. 
And so it's awkward. She's pointing and he's looking and the face he's giving you, normally if you pay for someone's meal, you're happy and think, well, he looks at me like he's mad at me. And I just like. <laughs> and so, so the kids are asking, you know, why is he mad? What's, what happened? Why is he upset? And, I said, and so Jen, you know, says, you, know, you need to go talk to him. I said, I'll go talk to him. So the kids and then went out to the car and I went over to his table and I go over to him and I'm, I get that same expression. Like I go over to him and he turns and he gives me that same expression. I'm like, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready just, he's going to wail on me. I'm just, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm preparing, my, you know, putting on the, the, the tough skin. Well, he looks at me and he starts bawling. And I said, sir, what's the matter? And he said, I, I've had a really bad day. And I, I didn't expect this and I don't know how to act. Uh, but my wife uh, almost passed away last night. And she cooked all the meals and she takes care of everything. And I didn't want to go home and be by myself, so I came to Jack's. Uh, and I said, well, I'm so sorry. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? And he said, absolutely. So I prayed for him and prayed for his wife and asked her her name and his name and prayed for them. Uh, and when we were done, he, you know, he, again, he looks at me and his tears in his eyes and he said, well, thank you. And I said, I said, God just wanted to bless you. He goes, no, it's not about the pain for the meal. It was, I needed someone to pray for me. I needed somebody just to encourage me. And I said, uh, Jesus knew you had a bad day. And he just wanted to say he loved you. And he got all emotional and, and uh, cried. And, uh, and I said, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm glad that she's okay now. Like she was stabilizing her, moving into another place. And I said, we'll be praying for you. And, and he just looked at me again. He said, just thank you. I needed that. I just needed the encouragement. And so that's what generosity is. It wasn't even about the money. Right. It was about recognizing. And God, you know, ultimately, I mean, if I had to be honest, and you probably would do this too, I probably would have walked right by him. But God stopped me and said, pay for his meal. And I'm so thankful he did. And it wasn't about the payment of the dinner. What really was about for me is that he left encouraged in a really, really bad day. We've all had bad days. Amen. And I'm so thankful Jesus spoke and just came and encouraged him and loved him. So that's what generosity, I don't tell you the story because I want the glory. I, I tell you the story because God deserves the glory. God knew he had a bad day. And God knew he needed someone just to pray for him and just love on him. And that's what's so fun about generosity. It really is. So when you think about am I generous, I want to read this scripture. I don't know if you caught this when they read it, but it really is profound scripture. This is, uh, again, um, John chapter 12, verse, uh, let's read verse 1 through 8 again. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, uh, there they had made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his own disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, had said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now remember that statement. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, this, he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had, had the money box and had used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you may have with you, uh, the poor you will have with you always, but me you do not have always. So Jesus says a profound, uh, really truth in a very short amount of time. Uh, so that, you know, the story is that she, she anoints Jesus' feet with this oil and I mean, think about this. She wipes it with her hair. Uh, just think about how humble that is. Uh, now, we live in a day and an age where it would have went all over the media saying that this is uh, not good and they would have came up with a name for it. 
but her heart was pure. Her heart was good. Her heart was generous, and she wanted to really bless and anoint. And if you know anything about the Bible, Jesus, in those times, they didn't have embalmment, so when you passed, uh, they would wrap your body, and they would, uh, they would anoint it. They would pour spices and fragrances and perfumes on it, obviously because you start to decay in the smell, so they would do that. Uh, well, when Jesus died, there was no time. He was on the cross. They took him. They put him in a tomb. Uh, and, and if you remember anything about the gospel, uh, the women went to the tomb to anoint his body. They brought 100 pounds of spices and fragrances to anoint the body. But when they got there, what happened? Jesus was gone. He raised from the grave. So there was no, no reason for that. So this was his anointing. This was the anointing of his body. What she did was so generous in so many ways, not only financially, uh, but in service and in humility, uh, and the fact that she heard God say, look, I want you to anoint the Messiah for his crucifixion and for his burial. And she made that choice and did that. So again, it's kind of a, it's, it's an amazing story of generosity, but I want you to see there's two hearts revealed in this passage. There's a heart of generosity that Mary had, and there was a heart of selfishness that Judas had, and both revealed themselves when? When she gave. It wasn't before. It was the moment that she gave generously, the moment that she she had anointed Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair, that Judas turned to her, pointed at her, and shamed her. And we know this isn't... uh, we knew this, you know, again, we're not fighting against people, but he allowed the enemy to deceive him. And she, he pointed at her and said, why was this money, 300 denarii, why wasn't this fragrance or perfume sold and given to the poor? And I love that Jesus corrects him. I love that Jesus corrects him, leave her alone, and I love that he shows his heart, you don't really care about the poor. You're a thief and you're stealing money out of the money box. You know, Jesus and his disciples, people gave, gave him generous amounts of money all the time. And here, Judas is carrying the money box, stealing the money. It would be like, we don't pass a plate here, but it would be like before you leave, you open the box and you just take a 20 and you head out the door. None of you would do that, would you? But this is what Judas was doing. And he made him sound like he's so, he's so proper and good. Why didn't you sell that and give it to the poor? He didn't care about the poor. How many of you have heard that statement before? Why don't you sell that and give it to the poor? Can I, can I tell you something? Next time you hear that statement, maybe it's you saying it or someone else saying it, it's probably revealing a selfish heart. The truth is, Judas didn't care about the poor and probably next time you hear it or maybe you say it, you really don't care either, but you're casting judgment on somebody that you don't know. You're casting judgment, but the reality is it was when the generous gift was giving that a selfish heart was revealed and a pure heart was revealed. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I'll give you three points. The first one being uh, the enemy of generosity. You know, there is an enemy, of course, Satan. He, he is the enemy of God. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And when, it's amazing how fast this happened. Uh, I mean, the humbleness and service and the generosity of Mary to anoint the feet of Jesus. And instantly, Judas says, what are you doing? Instantly, the enemy is trying to snatch up the seed of generosity that God is planting in Mary, and instantly he's trying to deceive. Instantly, he's trying to take the focus off the Messiah, off the Lord Jesus himself, and he's trying to put it on himself. By the way, that's why Satan was thrown out of heaven, because he's selfish and prideful, and he wanted to be about him. And so we see this enemy of generosity. Here's a good way to remember it. Generosity starts with a, and so does God. Selfishness starts with an S. And so does Satan. That's a good way to remember it. God is always generous. And Satan is always selfish. 
And so that's a good way to kind of remember it as you move forward through, through life. But uh, I, I want to share a funny story. Maybe that'll, it'll, it'll just be funny, but it'll really go with this, this understanding that, that the enemy's always trying to choose our selfishness. Uh, if you have kids, you'll really get this, especially if you have multiple kids. Um, have you ever been like sitting there watching, uh, let's just use the Steelers, because the Steelers, first of all, they need our prayer right now. They really need our prayer right now. They really need our prayer. The Cowboys need to go down, down. I'm just kidding. We lived in Dallas, so Mike is a Cowboys fan. We just always fight about it. But um, so anyway, this, if you're watching a Steelers game, uh, except for this year, you know, usually when you watch a Steelers game, they win when in the last two minutes, right? The two-minute drive. That's what they're known for. You know, Ben pulls it out, or they lose in the last two minutes. So if you've ever been sitting there watching the game, it's tense. You're excited, man. You're you're cheering the last two minutes. They're they're either going to pull this out or they're going to burn, and you're really excited. And then all you hear is this shrill, this sharp voice, this crazy pitch going, mine, 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 mine. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And it's about two of your kids, and they're in the room next to you, and they, they have a toy, or they have something, and one of them has it, and the other one has it, and they're, mine, 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 and they're tugging at each other, Right? And usually it's the younger one with that high-pitched voice going, mine, mine, mine. You can't even hear the game because that's all you hear is this, mine, mine, mine. And as a parent, as a parent, and I know, look, none of us are perfect. In that moment, the last thing you care about is justice. The last thing you care about is who is right or who is wrong. And you walk into the situation seeing them, mine, 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 and you lose your mind. Thankfully, you can't lose your salvation, but in that moment, you look at them and you say, give her the toy. Now, please, try to add. You try to add a little bit of, you know, grace in there. Please! And then the older one looks at you and go, but dad, it's really my toy. It's really mine. She's taking it. I don't care. You have stuff that's mine and so does she. Give her the toy. Right? Right. And then you ask for forgiveness and you say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have acted that way. But it's a funny word. But listen, this is the enemy of, sel- of generosity is selfishness. And all of us, whether you're a child, I mean, we're born, let's just be real, we're all born selfish, every one of us. The good news is, is you can be born again generous. When you have God's heart, you begin to understand generosity. And I know it's a process. Look, there's, if I had to be honest, there's times when I want to be generous, and then there's times where I have to think about being generous, and I think all of us understand that. But the enemy of generosity is selfishness. The reason why we don't want to be generous is why? Because it's mine. But God, it's mine. You know, God speaks the same language, but in a more profound and powerful way because God's never wrong and he's always generous. But when it comes to the tithe, what, do you, what does he say? It's mine. And I know none of us would go into the tithe box and take money out of it. But giving our first to God, our first 10% to God, we struggle because, but God, it's mine. It's not yours, it's his. 
And look, I, I know some of you, this may be your first time, we have messages before this that really explains tithing and the, the blessing of it, the, the amazing blessing of tithing. It's not about money, this is about our hearts. This is about the Lord and about our worship to him. And it's such a joy. But it's interesting that Judas said, why aren't you selling that and giving it to the poor? It's interesting that a selfish heart will try to cast blame or shame somebody because really the generosity showed his heart. It really showed his heart. Now, it didn't say, Judas, you're a thief, but really that's, that's what was happening. He was really taking the money. He was taking the Lord's money and putting it in his pocket. He was taking it out of the box. And yet he's looking at Mary and saying, that's wasteful and that's foolish. He wasn't being honest. He was allowing his pride and his selfishness to get in the way. Look, God tests every single one. He doesn't tempt us. He tests us. And the reason why he tests us, if we take tests in school, the reason why you take the test isn't so you fail. The reason why you take the test is so you can succeed. Now, we've all taken tests and failed, but that's God's heart. That's why he tests us. He wants us to succeed, and he wanted Judas to succeed. But at the end of the day, who is the leader of the group? Jesus was. Did Jesus know Judas had the money box? Yes, he did. Because two years before then, he said, look, he chose his 12 disciples. He said, one of you is the devil. One of you is the devil. Look, he knew that Judas was going to make some poor decisions, but in God's love, he allows you to make choices. And he's going to test you in those choices. And when it comes to generosity, look, he's going to test you. And Judas made a terrible decision. He made a poor decision. And Mary made the right decision. But look how quick the enemy tried to squander the right decision. Look how quick he tried to cover it up and shame it and deceive it and make you feel bad. That's the enemy. Enemy always shows its head through selfishness. Now let's talk about the, uh, the extravagance of generosity. Now again, generosity isn't tithing. Tithing is bringing back to God what's his. Generosity is really putting yourself in a position to give to others, to be ready to give. You have to prepare for it. Generosity isn't going to jump into your bank account or your pockets. It's not going to make more time in your schedule. It's not going to, uh, it's just, it's not going to give you uh, extra gifts all of a sudden. You have to make room for it. You have to make room for being generous. You have to be prepared. You have to be ready to give. You know, there's, uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, 5, it says this. It says that they gave themselves first to the Lord. And if you know anything about this passage, actually, they're actually preparing an offering to give to Paul. But Paul really said, look, I love that you went to the Lord first. You know, at Westridge, that's, that's the way we do. We don't do uh, many extravagant offerings like Awaken very often. Like this, is, this was an amazing miracle that God gave us this facility. It was an amazing miracle that God gave us uh, not only, the, not only the, uh, the tangible things, but the people that were part of uh, this church that are now part of our body. It was an amazing miracle in so many ways. But whenever we do something like this, we are never gonna strong arm you, make you feel bad, or make you uh, feel uh, compelled to give. Look, we always say this. Pray, ask the Lord. Talk to him. Let him show you. 
Let him show you. And if he's, if he's telling you to give, then go, then go ahead and give. Look, we don't give extravagant gifts every day. Most of us don't. But you know what? There's going to be an opportunity in your lifetime where God is going to say, hey, I have something I want to do for the kingdom that's eternal, that seeds will go on forever, and I want you to be part of it. Maybe it's financially. Look, there's so many guys that serve over at Awaken that, that give of their time, lots of time, more time than uh, there's, if I could add it up, it'd be unfathomable how much time they put into it. Their talents, their gifts, I'm thankful they're doing the work because if I did it, nobody would come. The teens would be like, what is that? No, it wouldn't be a Picasso, I'll tell you that. But so many of you have chosen. I'm so proud of this church for the way we've rallied around a kingdom purpose, something that God's given to us. And it doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every day. But there's gonna be times in your life where the Lord's gonna speak to you and say, hey, let's... I want you to unite with a plan for the kingdom, an eternal plan. Look, this is just a tool. It's a building. There's just things in there. That's not what we're giving to. You know what we're giving to? The hundreds and thousands of teenagers that are going to meet Jesus and follow Jesus and lead in their homes, lead in their schools, lead in their careers, lead right now. They don't have to wait till they're adult. They can lead right now. They can lead people to Christ right now. That's what we're investing in is the young people today. That's what we're giving to. And the building's just a tool. We know that they love these things, but the, the, the most important message that they're gonna hear when they walk in that building is that Jesus Christ loves them and that they're prepared and they're equipped to do the work of Christ. And at these teenagers, I'm telling you, it's gonna change our schools and our communities, our families. Do you know that most people that come to church today, if maybe their families don't go to church, but their kids start going to youth group, they start coming to Awaken, do you know how many families we see because the kid gets saved and they meet Jesus and then they bring their parents to church? It's, a, it's, a, it's astonishing that God is using our young people today. And by the way, all 12 disciples except for one were teenagers when they were chosen. God believes in young people and so do we. But again, these extravagant gifts, when you give like this, it's not all the time. It's, it may be once in a lifetime, but it's such an honor that God would say, hey, will you give? Will you do this for me? It's an honor and it's a privilege. Sometimes it's hard because selfishness, our old self wants to come out sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to let go. But the moment you do, it's amazing how God how God blesses and rewards you. And that's not why we give. We don't say, Jesus, I'm giving this and you gotta give me that. That's not the way we give and we say, God, thank you for the opportunity to be part of your kingdom, to be part of your plan, to be part of your church. And we give out of a joy and out of a gratefulness and thankfulness because he gave it all to us anyway. And we know who God is. God is always good. God is generous. And so we learn. He teaches us. You know a good way to get rid of selfishness? Be generous. It will show you self, it will kick selfishness out of your life very quickly. Be generous. Here's a few, there's a lot of great examples in the Bible. I'll give you a couple of them and then we'll, we'll share about uh, Mary's gift. Uh, but David, did you know this? David, he gave a ton to the Lord. He gave a ton to the temple. In today's dollars, watch this. In today's dollars, David gave $21 billion dollars. In today's dollars, if you do the math, then you do the inflation. $21 billion to the Lord and to the temple, to the house. Solomon offered a 1,000 sacrifices to the Lord. Solomon, David's son, a 1,000 sacrifices. Very generous. Look, these are, these are not all the time, but there was a moment where they gave extravagantly in that moment. 
The widow, let's look at that. Jesus said, this woman gave more than anybody in the house right now. Two mites. It wasn't about the money, it was about the attitude. Percentage-wise, she gave everything, 100%. She gave everything she had. And Jesus said, that's, that's a generous offering. So you need to see, look, it's not about the, sometimes we look at that and say, ah, I can't give that kind of money. We look, really, here's, you know what the definition of extravagance is? When you look at someone that has more than you. And you say, that's extravagant. I couldn't do that. But it does reveal something in our hearts, doesn't it? We look at, oh, look at that. I have a funny story. My, my pastor in Dallas um, was riding with a pastor one time and they were in the car. They were going to his house and they were driving by this really, really, really nice house. They drove by, if you know anything about South Lake, it's a really, really affluent area. You know, and so they drove by this mansion and the pastor looks and goes, that's extravagant. And listen to what he says. What a waste. That should be sold and given to the poor. And you know what my pastor said? You know, someone else said that in the Bible. (laughs) And his name was Judas. And he was a thief. Now, I'm not calling you a thief, pastor, but I need you to know something. That man's a member of my church, and he's our biggest, he's our most generous giver that we have. How many of you know what his next statement was? I'm sorry. But you know, that's what we do. Sometimes our selfishness, when we see extravagance, notice it didn't happen until Mary gave the gift, the extravagant gift. But sometimes when we see somebody give extravagantly, we tend to think, oh, that's, that's too much. But the reality is, is that God just wants us to be open and be available and be ready to be generous. It's not about the amount. It really is about our relationship with God. And if he's the Lord and he wants us to do something, we've got to trust that he knows what's best for us. You know, Jen and I, we've, uh, we've given in many different ways and God's given us the opportunity to be generous in many different ways, but we had to prepare ourselves to get generous. We were in a, in a lot of debt when we first got married because we did some foolish spending. And so it took us eight or 10 years to get out of debt. But the way we did that is when we moved to Dallas, God told us to flip houses. So we would buy, in Dallas, an old house is like 2006. That's like ancient in Dallas. They're all newer homes. So flipping a house in Pittsburgh is a lot different than Dallas. So when we were flipping homes in Dallas, it was like, okay, replace the carpet, paint, fix some holes in the walls or whatever. So it's nothing like what we do today. And, and if you buy a home from like the 1800s or 1900s or things like that. Um, but anyway, so we, we flipped houses. And let me just tell you about one, two of the times God really spoke to us. One of the houses we bought, it was our, uh, I think our, maybe it was our, no, yeah, it was the first house that we bought. And uh, Micah was maybe two. Yeah, he was two. And we just had Rachel. In fact, Jen just had Rachel. And you, you know, when you're released from the hospital and you're bringing your baby home, uh, so the Lord had told us right before we had Rachel to put our house on the market, and we did. And so we put it on the market, and he said, I, I want you to sell it. At that time, we were building a bill. We had an opportunity to give an extravagant gift, and we were asking the Lord, Lord, how can we do that? Because I don't have it right now. I don't have it in my bank account, and we don't, again, we're not gonna get into debt to, to give, but we wanna be generous. We really wanna be generous. And so the Lord said, sell your house. And so we put it on the market, and, uh, and, and I have to be honest with you, we got a phone call from our realtor, and they said, hey, we have a showing. Jen, we just got home from the hospital. Literally, we walk in with Rachel. You, know, you drop your bag, and if you've ever had a baby, how many of you know your, your house is not show ready when you come home? It is not ready to show. And so she calls me and says, hey, I have someone that wants to see your house right now. And I says, you gotta be kidding me. I, I, we just got home from the hospital. Like, my house is not ready to show. 
And she said, but can you show it? <laughs> and I look at Jen, and I said, "Hun, they want to show the house. And everything within me wanted to say no to honor her. Like, she just had a baby. She needs to rest, you know, where she's, <laughs> I mean, it just wasn't the right time. And so, you know, we both look at each other, quickly pray, and, and the Lord said, show the house. And I want to say, we said, all right, yes, Lord, high five. We're like, so in texas like you have all these neighborhoods and they have amazing parks and beautiful things that you can go to so i said all right we'll just we'll just go to the park uh give us 30 minutes we'll go to the park you can show the house so we go to the park again my house is it's a mess i mean there's stuff everywhere like diaper boxes and stuff and you know you're getting ready for the baby to come home we literally drop our stuff go to the park and we said okay lord if if you want us to go there's a reason and so anyway the guy comes through and the next day we want to buy the house in cash for more than what we're asking wow. Wow. Yeah, that's god. only god can do those things everything inside of me the selfish me would have said no and we said, Lord, and so we sold the house and we were able to give extravagantly to propel the kingdom, to build the church, to unite our hearts with what people were doing, to say, God, we're giving to the kingdom. And today that church is unbelievable. There's so many people getting saved right now. And that's what it's about. It's not about the building. It's about salvation. It's about people getting set free. It's about people meeting Jesus. And I'm so thankful God did that. You know, another time we were... Um, uh, let me just say there's, there's three levels of giving, and let me just talk about this. And it's not like levels. Sometimes when I say levels, everyone goes to like the Scientology, things like that. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? So what I'm saying is, is that, you know, all of our hearts need to be open to God. We always bring back our first to God. That's first fruits, that's tithing, that's offering. Okay, that's not giving. That's bringing back to God what's his. Uh, there's offering, and then there's extravagant offerings. And again, extravagant offerings don't happen all the time. And again, it's not about the amount. It really is about being open to what God's saying to you. I remember one time, another time, we moved here, just moved here to Pittsburgh, and we had sold our cars in Dallas because it was easier just to bring one than two. And so we sold one of our cars, and then we brought the other one down. And we got here and uh, got settled and things. But uh, my, one of my family members was selling their car, and I needed a car, and it was in my price range. I could afford to pay cash for it. So I said, you know what, I'll, we'll buy it. You know, it's, it's not perfect, but it'll work for now. And so we bought it, and uh, they brought it over, and we were excited because, you know, having one car with, with four kids can be difficult. And so we were just like, all right, we, we, we got two cars now. We can, we can make it. And the minute, I'm telling you, the minute they brought the car, I got in it, and I was driving home, the Lord said, give it away. And I'm like, you tell Jen that, and I'll give it away. <laughs> and so I, I pull in, we, I pull in, and I go see Jen, and I didn't say anything, and she looked at me and said, did the Lord tell you to give it away? And I said, yes. <laughs> not, not in a way that, like, it's frustrating, but you know, sometimes we got to overcome ourselves. And, you know, it was a joy to give it away. It honestly was. And it was exactly what we needed to do. But the point is, is there's going to be moments in your life where God wants you to give extravagantly and you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. Mary, the oil, cost her how much? 300 denarii is what Judas said. That's what he said. It would cost her. So somehow he knew how much he spent for that thing. Now, that doesn't mean anything to you if you don't know what a denarii is. But a denarii is a day's wage. So 300 denarii would be what? A year's wages, because, you know, you don't work every day. Well, some of you do. 
There's a message on rest you need to listen to. I'll tell you about that. But some of you, 300 denarii. So that's a year's wages. Is that pretty extravagant? A year's wages she, she gave to the Lord. A year's wages. And think about this. She put, poured it over Jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair. That's how much Jesus meant to her. That's how much. And by the way, Jesus just raised Lazarus from the dead two months ago, by the way. So she knew the power. She knew who she was worshiping. She knew what she was giving to. And she didn't hold back. That's an example of extravagant giving. And look, it doesn't happen every, every day. Jesus was only crucified once. And this was an amazing opportunity for her to honor her Lord. And she did. Now let me talk about the final thing, and that's the reward of generosity. Let me close with this. Hebrews eleven six says, it's impossible to please God without faith, and he is a rewarder to those that diligently seek him. And that word rewarder in the Greek is actually five syllables, and if you actually, the first four syllables, this is what the word means if you take out the last one. It means that, uh, it means to hire or pay for what is due. That's what the word means if you take out the fifth syllable. Uh, so the Greek word for rewarder means that you hire, you pay for what is due. So you reward them for the work they've given to you and you honor them with what's due. Now adding the fifth syllable says that you reward them extravagantly. And that's the word in the English. That's what it means is that the Lord is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. And so the reward is this, that God, God knows your heart. God knows that when you give gifts that are extravagant, he, look, he knows that it takes faith. He knows that it's, uh, that it's a challenge. He knows that it may be difficult, but he also knows you and he loves you. And it's, listen, it's not a give to get, but let's just understand something. God can only be generous. It's, he can't be anything else. That's who he is. And here's another truth. God cannot reward you in a sense of you give and I get God is a rewarder, plain and simple. It's like God is love. God is joy. Listen, God is a rewarder. That's why we have salvation. <laughs> He's rewarding you with something you don't deserve. That's why we have grace. You don't deserve it, but we have such a generous God that says, I love you more. I loved you when you were a mess. I loved you when you were in your sin. And I paid the price for you. An extravagant price, by the way. Do you know how he rewarded Mary? I think this is the best reward. This really shows you the heart of God. Look at how he reward, rewarded Mary. It's in Mark chapter 14, verse eight and nine. Look at what he says. He says, she has done what she could. She gave all she had. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. Verse nine, and surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world. We're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 2,000 years after this event, talking about the generosity of Mary. And this is the reward Jesus said, look, wherever this gospel is preached, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. What an award. What a reward that is. Look, it's not about the financial. God knows how to reward us. And he said, what you've done, Mary, for the rest of the time that human beings are on earth, they will talk about this moment. They'll talk about your generosity. Wherever the gospel is preached, this story will be shared. And here I am in 2020 sharing 
about a heart that's generous and God is honoring her. She didn't ask for that, by the way. She didn't say, well, Jesus, if I pour this oil and I wipe your feet with hair, with my hair, that you have to tell everybody about what I've done. That's not what she said. That's just how good of a God we have. That's how good of a rewarder he is. Listen, he is so generous and so good. So let me ask you the question. Am I, speaking to myself, and you ask yourself, am I generous? (laughs) Sound team, that was amazing. (laughs) You know what that's called? Mic drop. No, I'm just kidding. kidding. Stand and pray. Let me pray for you. Uh. (laughs) You're not going to remember anything I say after that. Good Lord. Good Lord. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for everybody here. Jesus, thank you for your generosity to us. Thank you for the salvation we so holy except but it was only at a price a price that we couldn't pay Jesus thank you for dying on the cross for every single person not only in this world but in this room Jesus you know our names Lord I I think about that man in the restaurant you knew his name you knew that he had a tough day Lord and generosity always shows the love of God and we're so thankful to be here today Lord Holy Spirit speak to us Show us, lead us into your heart. Show us more of you. Lord, with our gifts, our talents, our resources, with everything that we have, we're followers of you. You are the Lord. Lord, when when we gave our lives, most of us in this room, and if you haven't given your life to Jesus today, you can do that right now. Right now, you can say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm giving my life to you. And when that happens, there's an amazing transfer of God's goodness, God's grace, God's mercy, God's generosity, God's love. God's joy that is implanted in you. The Bible says you're no longer, you're now a new creation. And so right there in your seat during this worship song, you can give your heart to Jesus. It's not about special words. It's not about saying the right thing. Just simply say, God, I'm sorry. And I'm choosing to make you Lord of my life. And here's the truth that when you did that, when I did that, we're saying I'm dying to myself. And Lord, I am following you. You're the Lord. In all ways, in all things, in every way in my life, you're the Lord and I trust you. And so Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. I'm so thankful to be your son, your daughter. I'm so thankful to be part of your church, your body. Jesus, thank you for being the head of the church. I know we're not always perfect, but you are. And we're so thankful for that. We love you. We worship you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said.